It is 103. Welcome. What an excellent Saturday. It's uh, one of those days where it's uh, sunny, it's warm, but not hot enough that you're going out there and uh, take a deep breath and chip a tooth, right? No humidity. It's a beautiful day to be talking about this, and that is the Disability Law Show. So good to have you along. Tamara Gopian is your... uh, your co-pilot on this entire show has got all the answers for you. By the way, you have some time today if you want to reach out and talk to us live on air over the next hour. Ask your questions. It could be uh, for you, for a colleague, friend, family member who just wants to be a, a little more quiet on it. So you can ask for them, 416-872-1010 to phone in, 71010 if you want to send us along a text. Maybe it's about uh, dealing with an insurer. Maybe you've been asked to appeal. Maybe you've been uh, turned down as far as your application is concerned for benefits. Whatever. Bring it about. That's what we talk about is the disability law realm, of course, in its entirety. Help at disabilityrights.ca. That will be the email address we're referring to for the entire show. And afterwards, if you want to talk to Tamar or a member of her team, uh, free chat, more uh, private consultation, right? one 821 5900 to have a uh, quick question with Tamar any other time. But we'll get into it now. Some emails on the way. Tamar, you got uh, something to open up with, pal. What do you got for us? Always, always. Thanks, John. Uh, so we spend a lot of time, obviously, speaking to people on the phone. We do lots of consultations, and we want to help people understand what their rights are if they're in a situation where their disability benefits have been declined. And so I had an interesting call, uh, you know, two days ago. I'm in the process of actually getting retained on on behalf of this gentleman, but I thought I'd start off the show talking about his situation. because it. You know, these these situations, they just get more and more unfortunate as, as the time goes on, John. I, I don't know what these insurers are doing, honestly. So in his case, he's had, you know, the same job for 20, 25 years, very physical type work. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get too much into the weeds, but, you know, naturally he's a little bit older and he's had a number of health issues over the last five to seven years or so. He was involved in a bad accident, but, you know, I give him a lot of credit. He has tried to work as much as possible in his own occupation, uh, but things have just gone sort of from bad to worse. And as his health has declined, uh, you know, he's had other health events. And basically six months ago, his doctor said, okay, enough's enough now. You cannot continue working. Uh, You're putting yourself uh, and the safety of others at risk because he has a safety sensitive type job. And of course, they embark on this fun journey of applying for and trying to get disability benefits approved. And so initially, uh, this particular individual makes an application for short-term disability benefits. Mm -hmm. And it's actually the same insurance company that covers the short-term and the long-term. Gotcha. And he doesn't really have a lot of problems with short-term, except when it gets to right to the end of the short-term period, when it's supposed to transition from short-term to long-term, he gets a lot of rigmarole from the insurance company, and he actually goes down the road of appealing. So they cut him off just shy of the maximum short-term period, and they say, look, we think you can go back to work. Everything's stabilized. Nothing could be further from the truth medically, by the way, John. And, you know, he makes an effort, his doctor prepares a, a really good report, and, uh, you know, he gets his benefits approved. Amazing. You know, I applaud him for that effort. And he's approved, he transitions to long-term, and not two months later, they cut him off again. Okay, so huh. they've already gone through all the analysis. They know it's more of the same from the health issues. He's got a number of things that are being investigated, and they are symptoms, John. There, there's no diagnosis yet, but a number of symptoms, headache, uh, you know, fatigue, weakness, uh, a whole host of things. 
that you would of course expect that if you've got a physical job and a safety sensitive one that you really shouldn't be in that kind of environment when they're not really sure what's happening from a health perspective like he can pass out at a moment's notice it's just a whole host of things john so again his doctor and he you know put together all the medical information i think it was like a five page medical report that his doctor prepared with all of the history, right? Like right from the years before and this happened and this being, you know, this is being investigated and the insurance company declines him again and says, look, you, you've got to be able to go back to work. And he's basically about two years away from 65, age 65. So I'm scratching my head thinking, okay, this doesn't make any sense. Why is the insurance company refusing his claim? It's the same medical basis that they already approved. And now they're declining on the same basis. And I've given him the advice, look, you've got a really good basis for a legal claim here. And he's frustrated because he's thinking to himself, you know, now I've got to go down the the road of hiring a lawyer and I've already done the appeal process and I don't want to do any of this. And so I've sort of said to him, as I say on the show all the time, it costs you nothing. And it then becomes my problem. I want to help you deal with the insurance company. I want to put the feet to the fire with the insurance company with a legal claim. And the reason why it'll be different is because they'll know what I know, which is if they are aggravating his symptoms, which they are, and causing him an unreasonable amount of anxiety, which they have been, then the courts have recognized that this is not appropriate. And there's actually another head of damages. There's a component, compensation, over and above the disability benefit that could be payable to this individual if the insurance company hasn't properly adjudicated the claim and hasn't dealt with him in a fair way and really has caused him further anxiety and stress and so on and so forth. And so, you know, I'm explaining all this to him. And at the end of the day, I've encouraged him to start a legal claim because this is the most efficient way that you're going to get the insurance company to come to the table and have an appropriate negotiation, have an appropriate discussion around what should have been paid all along and what should be worth to him, not only just the benefits, but these additional uh, elements of compensation. So, Look, you know, he asked me an interesting question that I wanted to to talk about as well related to this, which is, look, tomorrow, if I start a legal claim, if I hire you and start a legal claim with the insurance company, we talked about, you know, look, you don't get, we, you don't pay us anything at all unless we're successful on your behalf. But also he's asked, you know, I need my extended health benefits. What happens to those benefits if, you know, I go down the road and, and sue the insurance company? Does that mean that I my benefits end as well? And I want people to understand, no, that's that's not the case at all whatsoever. The thing that you're doing when you're pursuing the disability benefit insurer is that you are just pursuing the benefits. When you've got extended health care plan, in other words, coverage for dental and medical and prescriptions and this sort of thing, which I know people really need when they're on disability, that's actually tied to your employment. It really doesn't have a lot to do with the claim that we would be advancing on your behalf for disability benefits against the insurance company. So people get really, really nervous about that. And I thought it was an important thing to emphasize to people that that impact is not one that's related to hiring a lawyer and pursuing the disability insurer, even if it's the same insurance company. So look, I'm hopeful that we're going to be able to move the needle for him. And I'm, I'm hopeful we're going to be able to do it fairly quickly because I'm sort of scratching my head on this one thinking, why is it that the insurance company didn't uh, you know, approve his claim? And I think it's probably because they thought, look, if we approve him, we're going to have him till retirement. And we just simply don't want to pay that benefit. 
Well, Neil, good having you on board for sure. We always uh, tell people, when in doubt, just make that phone call and uh, have your eyes open up, get educated, at least you know, get a bird's eye view of what they're uh, what they're looking at. There may be something you can help them with, maybe not, but if there is, you guys are uh, you guys are the ones to go to. Here and now, though, four one six eight seven two ten ten. I want to get to Mike's call. Mike in Toronto has uh, been standing by for a moment. Mike, thanks for uh, thanks for waiting, pal. What's uh, what's on your mind? No, um, I had a stroke in two thousand nineteen at work, which I had extended coverage and everything. Mm-hmm. So this kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with what she was just saying. Um, so after six months, I applied for long-term disability. The insurance company covered me, said I was approved, sent me retroactive pay kind of thing. But since then, and I've struggled, I'm seeing... Um, a psychotherapist and I've been struggling with depression and anxiety and I'm on medication now for it. I'm having a hard time getting back. Even though I did go back to work after my stroke and I did make a full recovery, I've since left my job so I don't have the insurance coverage anymore. Do I have any angle to go back to the insurance company? Because I'm having a hard time working and I can't do it anymore. Like, I was a physical, I'm a contractor, so right. that physicality yeah. work, it's, it's like I just, it takes everything I can do just to go out and scrape up some money just to pay bills. Absolutely. And, it's just, so, and I'm 54 now, so my age is it's starting to catch up to me too, so. Fair, fair enough. And so, so, Mike, are you still with that same employer, or are you now an independent contractor? Yeah, I went back to my independent, I quit. I quit instead of, yeah. mind you, my bo- my boss at the time, because I was not functioning well at work, I was like slower, a lot slower and stuff because right. it took more time for me to do things. Um, she said, you know, I can't have you struggling like this. I'm going to have Fair to let enough. you go soon. Right. And so when, so I made, when was that I though, made, Mike? What what year was that? What time frame was that when you, you stopped working? This year, I it was April. April of this I year. Mean, so, April. so look, the the challenge becomes that the disability coverage would have been tied to that employment, right? So you're right that it is somewhat related to what I was talking about at the top of the show, which is if you've got coverage for all sorts of different benefits, disability benefits will be included in that and will be tied to the employment piece. And so if you hadn't actually made a claim for disability benefits while you were still employed, or maybe slightly after that, but typically it's while you're still employed, then that door may unfortunately be closed to you now to actually go back and make a further claim to the insurance company. It's unfortunate, but, they but that's- they approved it, right? They, they approved it, but they approved it back in 2020 though, right? If I have my chronology no, correct? No, no, no. They... This year. So oh, this... Oh, oh, yeah, you're right. Um, right. Yeah, they proved it probably twenty uh, twenty or twenty twenty one. I think it was twenty twenty. So, so when did the benefits You're, end? They when did they stop getting LTD benefits? Oh, pretty much right away. Like yeah. I applied for long term disability. They said I was approved, and then I went back to work. Like probably a month after that. Which I, okay. you know, I struggled through work and everything was fine, but I was working. So they cut off my long-term disability. 
Gotcha. So, so let's take this up maybe after our, our break, okay? Yeah, John? hang in there, and Mike. We'll, uh, we're going to not cut you off, but we'll put you on hold for a moment, and we'll return. You have time for a call as well, just like Mike. This is why we get you to call and get the information, 416-872-1010, or text your questions if you prefer that way. That would be 71010. And we'll continue the Disability Law Show on the Bell Talk Radio Network. You're listening to the Disability Law Show on the Bell Talk Radio Network. You bet. It is 120. Thank you for sticking around and joining us here this afternoon. Anytime you want to reach out when the show is done, Tamara Gopi and she is our lawyer. She is here, Sam Firu, Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in this country. You're in amazing hands just to reach out, have a chat, get some education, find out where you stand. To do that, 1-855-821-5900, help at disabilityrights.ca, anytime as well. Uh, as well. And there's also a webpage you might want to check out even before you make that phone call. It's, it covers all kinds of topics when it comes to the disability law uh, conversation, ltdfaq.ca. Short memos all about a variety of things when it comes to LTD. Really easy to navigate. You click on the boxes individually. And there's a drop-down menu of each point. Read them, and you'll uh, you'll go from there. If you want to reach out afterwards to uh, Tamar and make that phone call, you can do that as well. But here and now, you still got time. Four one six eight seven two ten ten or text seven ten ten. We were talking to uh, to Mike before Tamar and uh, LTD for a short time. Uh, left the job now, hoping maybe if he can get back on it. But I mean that might uh, that might bring on a conversation with the recurrence clause, right? Absolutely, John. And that's really what I wanted to get across. Sure. And of course, I thank Mike for his call. And I want to explain to our listeners and to Mike about what that means. So each disability insurance policy will have a very similar section or provision that's called the recurrence provision. What that does is that it allows you the option of essentially returning back to work, making that attempt. And if that attempt is not successful and your health prevents you from continuing to work, then you can access this recurrence clause. And basically what it means is that you don't have to go through that waiting period again, like most disability LTD policies have to do. So let's backtrack. You're put off work as a result of a health issue. In Mike's case, it was a stroke, pretty serious stuff. He most likely either got EI sickness benefits, John, or some kind of short-term disability period, Either way, there's like this hold period before the long-term disability benefits kick in. And then LTD would have kicked in. I think he described for us for about six months. And then to his credit, he managed to get back to work. Most recurrence provisions have a six-month window. So within that six-month window from when you were paid before to when your health issues arise again, you can go back to the insurance company and say, hey, I tried it. I was not successful. I'm still struggling. Here's some further medical information, insurance company. I would like my LTD benefits to kick back up again. And theoretically, that's what you want to access as opposed to either terminating your employment or, you know, trying to, you know, I guess quit. I I wasn't really clear on what happened in Mike's specific situation. And so if he's within that six-month window, then yes, by all means, there could be a possibility of still pursuing disability benefits. But the insurance companies know this, and there is usually a little bit of a catch even with the recurrence provision, John. No kidding. They're the ones who write the contract. That's right. So if, that's right. So of course they're going to put stuff in there that's favorable to the insurance company. 
So some recurrence provisions actually say that you need to be employed by the same employer and be covered by the same employer in order to access that recurrence clause. This is why it's so difficult where I hear people saying, look, I just I just quit my job. I, I, didn't, I knew I couldn't do it anymore. But if it's due to a health issue, that is the reason why you've got the disability benefit. So I always encourage people, explore that first. And yeah, are you going to get some resistance from the insurance company? Possibly. But if your doctors are saying you can't work, if your employer is saying, look, dude, I, I, I can't have you working here. There's a safety issue. Your health is at risk and so on. Then this is what disability benefits are for. And if you're having trouble, well, this is what we're here for too, right? John is to answer these kinds of questions. So hopefully that answers Mike's situation and, and hopefully it provides some insight to others who might be thinking, look, I'm on, I'm off, not sure what to do here. You know, do I still get access to my benefits? You do if you're employed and be mindful of that recurrence provision. Want to get into our uh, first email of the show today. You can send one along anytime. Uh, love getting them. Uh, might get yours on the air as well. Uh, help at disabilityrights.ca. Janko writes in, says, hey, tomorrow I have a rare and serious heart condition that came on suddenly about seven or eight years ago. Turns out I had a number of mild heart attacks that I wasn't even aware of. And my cardiologist has been adamant that I stop working in my physical job. Over the years, I went back to work anyway, but each time I stopped working again because of my heart. I even tried doing office duties for a while, but any sort of stress gets my heart going and I get dizzy and lose my breath and end up rushed to the ER. The insurance company knows all about this, but they cut me off anyway at the two-year mark because my heart condition is stable. Both my cardiologist and family doctor clearly stated to the insurance company that I should not be working at all. CPP disability even accepted me. I'm off work to prevent a heart attack. Isn't this reason enough? It should be, Janko. It should be reason enough. Uh, And of course, we see this is the classic case, John. This is where most people contact us is when the insurance company is making, you know, a really silly decision. He is CPP approved. He's got a variety of symptoms that are causing him, uh, you know, a, a result of a disability status. His doctors are supporting that he cannot work. But what's the insurance company doing? <laughs> well, they're hoping you're just going to walk away, right? That's what they're hoping you're going to do, Jango. Don't, don't, because you've got a really good basis to challenge the insurance company. Look, I mean, I think the claims adjusters don't like the idea of these kinds of quote unquote preventative claims. They don't want to have people on claim with them in order to prevent from them from having a serious health event. What they're looking for is what is your present function? What are you able to do? What are your restrictions and limitations? And we're going to do that analysis. And if we think that there is a work capacity that essentially exceeds what your disability benefit is, so give or take two thirds of what you're making before you got sick, then we're going to cut off the claim. That's really what happens at the two-year mark because the definition changes, right? It's no longer whether Janko, Janko can go back and do his physical job The analysis is, could he go back and do any other job, anything in the world for which he could be suited by education, training, and experience? I think what makes Janko's situation so compelling, John, is that he has done that. I give him a lot of credit that he has tried doing office duties for a while, but he still is experiencing these symptoms. And I think that's the exact profile that most of the decisions that I look at talk about. This is what the courts are looking at. They don't care to see a diagnosis. That's not really the issue. They want to see where you're at from a functional perspective. 
And so if putting Janko in a work setting, whether physical or not, is bringing on symptoms that are disabling, then that is where he needs to be getting his disability benefit. And as doctors agree, and CPP has agreed, what does that mean? All right, so it's the federal government's disability plan. You are eligible for CPP disability if you've got a severe and prolonged disability. Well, if you just think about those words, John, severe and prolonged. So the government has accepted that he, that Janko's profile and health meet those two criteria. Then how is it that the insurance company is turning around and saying, but you're not totally disabled pursuant to our policy wording? It doesn't make sense. I've seen it. They will resist it, but it doesn't make sense to me. And this is the perfect breeding ground to be challenging the insurance company. It's not ideal, John. I'm not saying, you know, this is the way it should be. It shouldn't. The insurance companies know that they have a duty and an obligation to claimants to pay these kinds of claims. It's meant to be a peace of mind policy. That's what the courts have said. We're going to give you the peace of mind by giving you this income support so that you can focus on your health. And I think that that's the part of it that troubles me the most with Janko is that this is when he needs the insurance company the most. And this is where they're cutting him off and, and leaving him high and dry. I would like to help him. So I'm going to try and reach out to him after our show and have a deeper discussion about his situation. But I think he does have reason enough to have a valid disability claim and have that be paid by the insurance company. And with that, we'll get into more questions and emails. And you still got time to, to run a phone call by us here. We'd love to talk to you if you got a, a question like Mike did. That's easy enough. 416-872-1010 if you prefer the text. With your fingers, you can ask a question that way, right? 71010 as well. And we'll continue. Want to reach out to you tomorrow, by the way, help at disabilityrights.ca is the email address we use. And we'll continue with more of the Disability Law Show. This is the Bell Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to the Disability Law Show on the Bell Talk Radio Network. Alrighty, and uh, welcome back indeed. It is 135 on a beautiful Saturday. We remind you that you can call into the show during this hour or text us 416-872-1010. The phone number 71010 is the text number. Email is help at disabilityrights.ca. And any other time you have questions you want to ask, uh, every time you're on your tablet or your desktop or your phone for that matter, my disabilityquestions.com. That website was constructed to be uh, anonymous and free to you to use to ask any questions, and it's searchable too, which is cool. There's a database of previously asked questions. You can search those, and uh, one similar, if not exactly like yours, may have been asked in the past. Save you some time. If not, leave it there, and it will get answered. MyDisabilityQuestions.com. Want to get to a uh, text we just got uh, tomorrow a few moments ago. Yeah. It says, my employer changed LTD insurers while I'm on LTD. Would this affect my recurrence clause in this case? Interesting. So, no, uh, it shouldn't. Yeah. Okay. Really good question, though. Really good question. So, so you're on disability benefits. You're getting mm -hmm. your benefits. And in the midst of all that, your employer actually changes the carrier, changes the insurance company that's yes. providing the disability benefits under that group plan to all the employers, um, all the employees for that employer. So what does that do? Actually, your disability claim crystallizes, in essence, with the disability insurer that is paying your claim currently. Okay. So let's say you're on claim insurance company, you know, ends the claim or you're, you know, given the green light by your doctor, return back to work in a couple months. And that return to work is ultimately not successful, which is essentially what I was talking about at the prior segment of our show. 
what happens? Who do you go to? Which insurance company do you go to to make another claim for benefits if yeah. your health is again provided? Right? Yeah. Great. Exactly. You would go to the original insurance company, oh, okay. not the new one that's providing coverage for your employer now, but the one that actually paid you initially because it's their policy that would be activated under the recurrence clause. But it can get a little dicey, right? The timing is really, really important, John, and the eligibility requirements are really important. All of those things come at play because really, as an employed individual, you should not be impacted at all if your employer changes your disability benefit carrier. You should have continuous coverage regardless of what your employer chooses to do. So make sure that you're aware Make sure that you're providing the medical information to that original disability insurer and that it is within that six-month window. If they give you some technical response, you do want to, first of all, think about taking that up with your employer and obviously getting some legal advice around what you do because it's sometimes it can be an opportunity for a shell game for insurance companies to say, nope, not it. It's that other guy. Nope, not it. It's the other guy, right? And they point fingers to each other. I've had that happen, John. And you know what we do? We just sue them both, okay? We just bring them both into the legal claim. And we say, look, it's one of you guys uh, because this individual is disabled and not able to work. I'm being a little cheeky in my response, but I just, I think the clear messaging to individuals are is that it should not impact your disability claim if your doctors are supporting that you cannot work regardless of where you're at. You should be able to access that benefit plan, whether it's the original carrier or the new carrier. You know this, and this is this question too is, is interesting. That sometimes insurance companies will, well, they'll prepay LTD benefits for a period of time. Say we're looking at three months, maybe six months. If you're in that situation, do you have to wait till the end of that prepay period to start a legal claim, or you can do it uh, concurrently? Oh, good question, John. <laughs> so. I always say no, you don't have to wait, right? The moment the insurance company issues that decline letter or email or phone call that says, look, we're not going to pay your benefits anymore, that is when you have the beginning of the start of a legal right to start a claim against the insurance company. So you're right. There are some insurers who will do their analysis way ahead of time, months ahead of time. They'll say, look, you know, whether it's it, due to the change of definition in the policy from own occupation to any occupation or whether it's we just think you should be able to work in six months you know sometimes that they, they do that analysis preemptively almost and they just issue the decline they say here's six months of benefits it's a lump sum payment and you know we think you're done regardless by the way if you're in the middle of treatment if you're expecting to see another specialist maybe you've got a surgery coming up I've seen it happen in the most in, in inane circumstances, John, where they do it because they, they want to wash their hands of you. They don't want to continue paying a claims person to adjudicate your claim. They don't want to worry about further medical information. And in fact, they place the onus back on the claimant to then prove to them that they will be entitled to benefits past that six-month period that they've already prepaid you. It's very frustrating, very unsettling because so much can, can change in that window sometimes to the better, but many times it's either more of the same or it can worsen, mm -hmm. right? Think about what it would do if you've got a mental health condition to know that in six months you're not going to have that income support from the disability insurer. You know, inevitably that may exacerbate your health issues. And then you're in month three, four, or five, and you're no better, and you know your money's going to come to an end, and then what? So yeah. I always encourage individuals, look, Get advice early. At least know what your options are. Really get a sense of, okay, what can I do here? 
And the main thing is you don't have to wait. The insurance company has already made that decision. You absolutely have the choice of starting a legal claim with them, even though they've prepaid you for the period where they've said to you, we still think you're disabled for the next little bit. But after that, we don't think you're disabled anymore. Can you imagine what a court would do with a situation like that, John? Yeah, it's not going to fly. It's not going to fly. And what I don't want to see happen is people getting you know, more and more nervous that they haven't taken those positive steps to do something about this preemptive decline that the insurance companies already communicated to them. Let's get to Claire's email. Thank you, Claire, ahead of time for sending this in. Says, uh, tomorrow the insurance company says I misrepresented my health history and therefore my disability coverage is void. They refunded the premiums I paid, but now I can't work and don't have insurance to cover me while I'm off. Can they even do this? Okay, this is a different one, uh, John, because what Claire, I think, is describing when she says a misrepresentation of the health history and voiding coverage, it sounds to me like it's an individual disability plan. A lot of the stuff we talk about on the show are group plans, right? And I've been talking about it quite a bit today about how it's tied to your employment and your employer will cover all of their employees under one plan with one disability insurer. But there are a whole host of insurance plans that are available that you can get yourself through a broker or what have you directly with the insurance company. And in circumstances like that, you will no doubt be asked about your health history. It's I don't know if people have ever applied for even like life insurance, for example. Usually there's a proof of health type questionnaire that you've got to do. So you make an application for this plan and they'll ask you, look, have you had any back pain for the last five years? Have you had had any surgeries? The questions are very, very broad. And what you want to do is make sure that you answer them very, very carefully. And then what happens is the policy is then placed. So you have it, it's issued, you start paying the premium for it. What most people don't know, though, is that the insurance company has a two-year period where they can contest whether or not they actually gave you a valid policy. I know it seems really odd, John, but in that window, it's basically like a give give it back to me, give me back kind of situation. So if Claire is making a claim in that window, which sounds like she might be, the insurance company will look to see, can we deny this on a technical basis? And this is the technical basis. They can say, look... We didn't have a full health history. And if we had had this full health history, we wouldn't have given you this policy. Our underwriters are saying you're too risky and we're not even going to consider your disability claim. We're just going to avoid the policy altogether, give you back the premiums, and we're calling it a day. It's a wash. And what's frustrating for Claire is that the insurance company in some circumstances can do that. So here's what I'd like to do. I want to dig deeper in what Claire said to the insurance company when she initially applied for benefits and what is it that she's applying for benefits for now? In other words, what is the disability? Where's the disconnect? And has the insurance company actually done a proper analysis and saying, okay, we're voiding the whole coverage? Very technical stuff, but one where if the insurance company is not doing it right, then absolutely there's a basis to challenge And you do want to give Claire that peace of mind that there could be an avenue there because if she's self-employed or an independent contractor of some kind, she really is probably, you know, either a primary breadwinner or this is her whole source of income. She really does need this private plan. So you do want to do that analysis. But if you're listening, you're thinking, okay, maybe I need to get this private insurance. Make sure you're disclosing all of your health history right out of the gates with the insurance company so that you don't have this trouble to allow the insurance company a window to decline 
essentially on a technical reason and say the policy was never issued in the first place. He's, here's all your premiums back. We don't want to insure you going forward. Claire, appreciate that. Hope the answer was uh, robust enough for you. I'm sure it was. We'll take a short break, get to more. In the meantime, we still got a few minutes left to go. So 416-872-1010. You can text us 71010 or the email like Claire used, help at disabilityrights.ca. This is the Disability Law Show. It's the Bell Talk Radio Network. This is the Bell Talk Radio Network, and you're listening to the Disability Law Show. That is true. It is 150, and uh, thank you for joining us today. Reaching out when we're done, uh, a reminder, 1-855-821-5900, the phone number to reach uh, Tamar and help at disability rights as well. But the text we just got in, by the way, that's 71010 to send along a text. Uh, Tamar, do LTD payments go up with inflation? Wow. So the one about LTD and inflation, the answer yeah. is yes, but maybe. Okay. okay. So um, generally speaking, you want to look at your booklet, the employment booklet that you get that says this is what your coverages are for, for benefits. And in there, it'll say to you, you know, this is what you have for LTD. And some, some employers will actually include what's called a COLA, a cost of living adjustment that goes into and is built into what the LTD benefit is going to be paid if you have to go down that road. Some employers will say you have the option of getting an increased package with a COLA adjustment added on for LTD benefits, but you got to pay that premium yourself, for example. So I've seen that happen in different permutations. Not all policies have it built in. And that's why I say maybe. So for some people, it is built in and it's part of their package. And so come every either October or January in a calendar year, they will get that bump up to uh, increase the LTD monthly benefit by whatever the consumer price index is. Uh, and in other instances, not at all. And it's just sort of a flat rate, which can be tough because, of course, we're going through crazy inflation right now. Yep. You know, you can imagine having sort of this set amount for LTD benefits that was maybe set with your income level several years ago. And it can be frustrating that 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 element of it is not going to increase. But you want to be armed with that information. You actually want to know what that coverage is. And it's amazing to me a lot of the times, John, people just don't even realize whether the calculation has been done correctly. You know, what? how did, how did the insurance company actually get arrive at my monthly benefit? Did they use the right salary level? And, you know, I should do my own due diligence to see whether that cost of living increase applies to me. And so these are the kinds of takeaways that sometimes you don't even really think about until you're in that situation, unfortunately. The other thing that I think in the context of this text that might be worth talking about is, and we we talked a little bit about CPP disability benefits on the show. So this was the government-sponsored disability benefit that's out there that you can apply for. What individuals may also not realize is that actually CPP disability does have a built-in cost of living adjustment. So every January, my clients who are getting CPP disability will get a bit of a bump up. Now, the question becomes how much of a bump up? I can never tell you guys that because inflation is one of those things that only economists seem to understand. Uh, But bear in mind that the the consumer price index isn't always tied to the same frameworks that we're looking at. So just because, you know, our gas prices went up by crazy amounts last month doesn't necessarily mean your LTD benefit is going to go up by the same amount. Okay. So bear that in mind. 
and insurance companies will have built-in limits. So some of them, not, not necessarily CPP disability, but the LTD insurer will say it is up to a maximum of 2%. So even if inflation is crazy high and it should be much, much higher than that if it's tied to um, the cost of living adjustment, uh, sometimes the insurance companies will cap it. Of course, because if it means that it's going to cost them more money, John, sure. they want to make sure yeah, that they, yep. they nip that in the bud right out of the gates when they issue these disability policies. So that's that's the full full gamut on the uh, COLA, the cost of living adjustment. Well, since we're getting into the weeds of accounting here, um, yeah. let me ask you, because you just said that just makes me, that just brought a question to my head. So if you're on CPP and we know that your insurance company will get a credit for any CPP right. monies you get. If you get a 2% increase in your CPP, will the insurance company be sad? So I, I think John cut off there for a second, but the, the conclusion, the question is, does the insurance company, the disability insurer, get the cost of living adjustment if you get it for your CPP disability benefit? And the short answer to that is no. Woohoo! So this is the one thing that the insurance company doesn't get their hands on usually, because the policy reads this way. It says, we're going to pay you X, usually two thirds of what you're making, uh, you know, before you became unwell. And that's the basis of your monthly LTD benefit. And if you get access to other sources of income, and the one that's most clearly articulated is the CPP disability. So if you get CPP disability, or are even eligible for CPP disability, we as insurance company are gonna take a credit for that. So really simple example, your LTD benefit is $3,000 a month, you are now approved for CPP disability for $1,000 a month, then all you're gonna get from the LTD insurer is $2,000 a month. But come next year, it's gonna be 1,050 a month, let's say. So your CPP disability okay. benefit will increase by the cost of living adjustment, but thankfully, the disability insurance policy doesn't allow for those increase, increases to be factored in. All the insurance company gets is a credit for your initial amount, and that's it. So it actually is locked in, which is helpful, uh, because then you can at least get the benefit of those increases for CPP disability, even if you've got a long-term disability policy that doesn't have the COLA or the inflation indexation built into it. It's good to know, right? How about retirement or accessing like a pension plan? Did that impact your disability benefits? Good good question, John. And so look, here's the guiding light. You want to know what your policy says. Always check your policy. If you put it in writing to either your employer or your insurance company, they will give you the actual wording. Not the book booklet, but the actual wording of what it says as to what is to be paid. Because in there, we'll enumerate, it'll list, this is what we take credits for, A, B, C, D. And if it's not listed in there, the courts have said the insurance company doesn't get a credit for it. So let's say you've got, I don't know, an employer paid pension plan, for example. And there's lots of people who have that. Yep. If it's a pension plan that's tied to your employment, some disability policies will say they get a credit for that because it's all tied together, right? An employer group plan for disability and you know the LTD insurer is going to say, okay, we know all these employees are going to get this pension. Mm -hmm. So if you access this pension disability claimant, we're going to get a deduction for this pension. But it doesn't happen necessarily if let's say it's like your RSPs or even sometimes straight CPP, right? So there's a whole host of other pension elements that in fact, the disability insurer does not get a credit for. So you want to understand as a claimant very, very clearly, look, if I go and access these other benefits, 
is my LTD benefit going to be reduced by the disability uh, insurer? And you want to go into it with your eyes wide open so that you're not taken by surprise. Because look, at the end of the day, you've got a significant health issue, you're not working, you need these sources of income. And before you start accessing other sources of income, you want to understand how it's going to work with your long-term disability benefit. So there you have it. Uh, you know, Actually, you know what, John, I want to add one more thing before we, sure. we wrap up the show. Yeah. Some disability policies will also say if you retire, quote unquote, and access a pension, you're not eligible to L for LTD benefits either. So make sure if you've got a disability claim, you want to make that before you go down the road of accessing a pension or possibly retiring. Otherwise, the coverage for your disability benefits may be ending before you even realize it. And that is a good way to end the show today. If uh, you didn't get your questions answered or on air, you can uh, you can ask them now and follow up at a later date with Tamar and her team. Uh, the number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. The email address we always use is help at disabilityrights.ca for any further questions. Mydisabilityquestions.com. And we'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show. This is the Bell Talk Radio Network.